Hey everyone, welcome to the Product Startup Podcast, the podcast that helps bring your product idea to life by chatting with successful inventors, product designers, and other industry professionals. This podcast is run by Kevin Mako and hosted by Philip Valencia. Our goal here is to get to the bottom of what makes a product successful, from initial idea to putting your product on the shelf. We're taking you step-by-step to build a functional product and scale your product business. This is the Product Startup, episode 56, the top mistakes and stumbling blocks that small businesses and startups make when launching their own product. My name is Philip Valitza, and I am the host of the Product Startup, and today I am joined by Kevin Mako of Mako Design. Uh, Kevin, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, you have a company that specializes in product development specifically for small businesses and startups. So basically directly speaks to the audience that we're uh, reaching here today on this podcast. Um, can you tell them a little bit about yourself? You know, that's almost almost 20 years ago now um, when I kind of started this uh, this whole kind of this whole thing, um, essentially doing product development, uh, kind of world class, high quality design all the way to production pro- uh, development, but tailored to the small folks. Startups, small businesses, small product businesses, uh, inventors, that sort of thing. Um, and it's interesting because it all just started from from an idea in high school. Now, here we are kind of 20 years later with uh, four offices across North America and thousands of products worked on and all of that. So it's uh, it's been quite an exciting journey. That's for sure. Kevin, you're taking on the Product Startup Podcast from now forward. Uh, you know, it was something that I intended to pick up and I just, it life got in the way. And I'm glad that you're able to do that because there is a demand for this type of knowledge. Um, we know that this side of the industry is going to be growing. Um, and I think that we really need to get out in the front front forefront and educate people on um, the options that they have so they don't feel that that their journey is is going to be taken by themselves or that they're you know that they have to do this alone and without any resources. And um, so I think that's you know kind of Talk to a little bit about why you wanted to take over the podcast and why this spe- why this specific podcast, I guess. Well, Phil, you know, first things first is, you know, you've done a tremendous job of building an audience and that's that's everybody out there listening right now. That's you guys. Um, you know, it's an incredible uh, ecosystem. And, and Philip, you've done an incredible job of kind of building this, this space many years ago. Um, you know, even this podcast w- was started just as an idea. And then, uh, you know, 55 episodes later, here we are in episode 56. Yep. So it's, a, it's very exciting for me, uh, especially because I've spent literally my entire adult life doing nothing but being in the startup product development space. Uh, this company, Mako Design, is the, the kind of the, the company that, uh, you know, I started 20 years ago in high school, incorporated in university, um, where I went to study kind of the, the process of end-to-end and marketing and all the rest that goes into actually successfully building the business behind a product. Then I went to Hong Kong University to study supply chain management and all of that, to consulting for, for sourcing and everything else so we could connect innovation to design and then built, a, you know, from there, then built the firm over the next, uh, you know, the next 15 years after graduating university into what it is today. So, um, yeah, I, I couldn't be any more passionate about this. And the podcast is, is an incredible medium to kind of share the, the knowledge that's been accumulated over the, over the years, not just for myself, um, but from tr- some tremendous guests that we're going to have on the podcast. So stay tuned because uh, that's coming out quickly. We have uh, somebody who's raised 
$100,000 through the, the Shark Tank uh, equivalent called Dragon's Den. Um, we have a patent attorney coming on. We have uh, an individual who's in sales and distribution of products um, for, for, you know, how do you get out there? Um, we're going to be interviewing uh, an individual um, from one of the two kind of major crowdfunding uh, platforms. Um, so that information will be released pretty soon as well. Extremely exciting because there's you know so much good information out there. So what we're trying to do here on the show is bring it together, bring in the top experts in the field, kind of consolidate it and get through some real kind of actionable nuggets uh, that you can take home to start working on your projects, uh, you know, just break from your own desk, um, start, starting, starting immediately. One of the things that you did that's kind of apart from the norm is focus on small businesses and startups instead of some of the larger companies, which is pretty rare, right? Because the larger companies have the bulks of the budget and they understand the the product development process a little bit better than maybe somebody that's new. Um, wh- how, why did you do that? That's pretty risky, right? <laughs> well, that's, you know, it's an interesting point. I mean, even taking it one step further when, uh, you know, I was talking to owners of, of big design firms and engineering houses and stuff when I was just a kind of a wee lad, um, <laughs> you know, struggling to try and kind of find my, my, my place in the world with this, with this dream. And, uh, Everybody told me this. Well, you're nuts. If you want to have mm-hmm. a, a high caliber firm, um, you know, for, forget startups, forget small businesses. I mean, it, it's all about those are just stepping stones to get to the you know one or two big kind of fat cat corporate client revolving monthly contracts, um, which will you know float uh, the majority of of your business. But I was passionate, passionate about entrepreneurship. Um, that was where my kind of heart lied, and. Uh, you know, I, I took a huge gamble um, at the time. I was fifty thousand dollars in student debt, uh, trying to go through university, and uh, I said, "No, this is this is what I want to provide." And, and the business model hasn't changed; it's the same model now, twenty years later, as, as it was then. Um, and, and you know, all just kind of revolved around that concept of I think there's a better way to help startups through the design, engineering, prototyping process, help them into production, help them with all the other contacts they need. Um, like patenting and wholesale, distribution, websites, videos, you know, all the all the kind of auxiliary things, um, at least get them connected with those sources while focusing on the hardcore kind of design and engineering at the root of our of our service. And, um, you know, that model hasn't changed, but uh, the world has definitely uh, come around to it. <laughs> and, and I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg. As you were talking, I was kind of thinking about how, how challenging that is because you're basically having to re-educate your client every time because i mean sometimes you've got you know repeat clients but most of the time you've got people that are relatively new to the process um and so it's this it, you're basically carrying them through the journey i guess and, and teaching them about all the various aspects of product development um so you're half product developer half educator i guess you've got it um you know I- and, but that's a that's that's a part of it, and I think that was part of what was scaring kind of the the traditional industrial design firms at the time was it's more than just a design project; it's a business, it's a life. Like these people are kind of changing their future through the product innovation that that they have, you know, had that um, that that golden idea, that that golden nugget that they've seen, they're using that to kind of change their future. It's not just about designing a product. But then on the flip side, you have to understand uh, the inventor and what their goals are uh, with that product and how to help them get there. Because every great product is backed up by a great business around that product. Otherwise, it never hits a shelf. 
So that's how you, you know, how important it is to combine those two. No, absolutely. And I'm glad that you touched on that because I think um, I've seen some of the same mistakes get made over and over. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about that on this uh, podcast about some of the commonalities that we see, you know, and we're approaching the industry slightly differently. I've, I've come from heavy industry, the corporate side. Um, you've obviously seen more of the small startup perspective. And I think it'd be good to kind of compare and contrast to see if we're, if we're seeing some of the same things. And so uh, I'll I kick, love it. I'll kick it off and I'll say um, one of the top things that I've seen go wrong in product development is not knowing what to build. What's the problem that they're trying to solve and what's the solution? When you look at the core idea that they have, it usually comes down to one or maybe two features. And that's it. They found one solution to a real world problem. And mm. I find that one of the biggest kind of problems or you know issues in terms of losing focus on that is trying to create that instant idea right off the top of your head like you mentioned just kind of come out swinging all the bells and whistles crazy amounts of features instead yep. of just distilling it down to that core simple basic idea start small and then kind of grow the seed from there right start with your core kind of high impact high quality feature in your product and then work on that, um, you know, educate yourself on that, figure that one out. Um, and if you're, you know, if you're developing in that, then, then you're going to kind of learn, but with much less expensive development and much easier development, get that, you know, into users' hands or start getting early drawings or ideas into, into kind of, you know, getting some feedback from friends or family or people you trust, and then start iterate, just iterating on that basic idea. You know, too many people are trying to hit that kind of like crazy, ultra futuristic end goal and wants. And, you know, even if you look at big corporate, um, they don't do that. The iPhone wasn't released uh, to what it is today, right? It started with a core idea um, and then it evolved over time. So will your product. No, I think you're absolutely right with that. And I think that maybe I'm going to pull up that thread a little bit. That might be due to because either people don't understand who their core market is and who, and so they're trying to appeal to more than one type of you know person that's it and right there i'm an engineer at heart and so i look at products <laughs> and i'm like oh this is sweet and so is that it catches your eye type of thing and let me just add another one and then pretty soon you've got this gaudy mess what do you think are you know one of the major issues that or maybe even fallacies that um some s startups and small businesses might have on on starting products the the big mistake that i've seen is and it kind of ties into number one is procrastination. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to, you know, pull the trigger and go gung ho on day one. You wouldn't believe how often that we have, you know, people that have, you know, they've, they've paid for services, you know, we, we've sent them to design revision and all of a sudden we wait for weeks or even months just to get a five minute review back to us, right? That's lost time. That's lost effort. And, you know, you can break it down even to, uh, to kind of to, to day one of your idea. You know, you come up with that first idea, that great, great concept. Well, what are you doing about it? You know, did you just think about it or have you now decided to hop over and take a look at Google? I mean, you don't necessarily need to pull the, pro you know, pull the trigger on the product, but you should start at least at a minimum. If, if you believe in this, if you have seen something as well, if you've kind of had the, the, both the luck and the skill and the, the right set of circumstances to come across a great idea, 
then don't wait um, on at least at a bare minimum learning about it because that's free. What I've seen, so uh, I don't know if it's procrastination, although I'm sure that it's there. I've seen people freeze for sure. Yes. And in, in your case, you've got clients, though. They're paid clients. So you would think that, you know, time is money. So you'd think that they've got, they're relatively highly motivated. So I'm, I'm actually surprised that you're seeing the same thing because I've seen the same thing, but I just assumed it was because people weren't willing to commit. Um, but in your case, they're all, they've already committed and they've stalled out for whatever reason. Well, I'll flip it over and, and look at it on the opposite side of the, of the most successful products that I see. There's all kind of different criteria. You think, well, maybe it was money or it was connections or it was inherent mm -hmm. intelligence or their idea was just incredible. And that's why they succeeded. I'd scratch all those. All those help, of course. But the big one is those who hustle win over everything else. When, when, when those people are you know, checking their email every week, doing research, continuing to push, reaching out to buyers, reaching out to potential partners, um, just reaching out about their idea to us or to their friends or to their colleagues or <laughs> whatever is going on, and they're continually doing that, then those are the people who somehow, despite all odds, are able to crack that nut. And I can actually give you kind of a, a, a breakdown simple starter method to make sure that this doesn't happen to you. First and foremost, easiest thing you can possibly do, put, get a calendar every day, put a little X on it when you spent five minutes on your project. That's it. Every day, you're going to X that calendar and put five minutes onto that calendar. That's all you have to do. That, that's the starting phase. Now, that's, of course, that doesn't mean that's how much work you need to succeed. You will need more than that. But that's a great way if, you're wondering, if you've got that block or if you're not feeling good about it, that five-minute spark will work wonders in terms of your kind of ability to actually jump up and say, you know what, I, I am going to do this. Or I know I'm not feeling good today, but I'm doing it anyways. Or you know what, it's, uh, I, I had a major setback, but I'm doing five more minutes and seeing what happens. Right? That has a tremendous amount of power, although it seems so simple and obvious. Right? That is exactly how you're supposed to be taking on any new habit though, right? So you're supposed to do that for, let's say, 21 days or whatever it is now. It might be even more than that now. Uh, where, where, yeah, in order to do anything in your life, uh, uh, to add any new habit in your life, you need to do it for every day. And if you start for five minutes, chances are you're probably going to look back and, and realize that you've spent way more than five minutes on it. You know, we're talking about developing a product, whether you're a small product business that, 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 that you know, this is your next product or whether you're just a, a home inventor, never, never invented anything before. And this is your first time. Um, it's a big deal. This is something that could potentially be in the hands of tens of, if not hundreds of thousands of people improving their lives around the world. And this is also something that could substantially affect your own life personally. If you're, if you're wondering why are you doing this, think of the big picture. Think of the, yep. you know, your five or your 10-year roadmap. If you're thinking about this podcast, come back to that one thing. You know, of the thousands of projects that I have seen over the last 20 years, the number one winner is hustle. One other thing to add there, um, don't feel like you have to do it by yourself. Um, that's why, uh, you know, I'm here. That's why Kevin's here, but also, um, get together with other people that are like-minded than you. I participate in a, uh, mastermind for business owners and I found it a huge help and I host it in fact. So, um, I think, you know, for the people out there that feel like, man, no one else wants to do this. I bet you there's somebody else in your city that's got the same mindset about their own idea or their own product. And, you know, find them at a makerspace, find them at, you know, other events like that, um, connect with other people and, and 
lift other people up when they feel discouraged and they'll do the same for you. Let's look 20 years ago, right? Since then, there is a hundred times more startup incubators and co-working spaces than there were back then. It's, it's really a global movement where even big corporations, they're starting to spend less on R&D and more on small business acquisition. They're saying, let, let the innovators, let the world kind of innovate and figure out the next great product. And when they hit a certain size, we'll either part with, partner with them or buy them or invest in them or whatever else, right? So we're seeing this shift. And, and you've got, of course, platforms like Kickstarter and Indiegogo, which have been incredible, right, to get that, that seed round of financing to go from prototype into production without, you know, essentially by getting your production prepaid. I mentioned just in terms of this podcast, now we're kind of revitalizing this thing over the course of, of the next few months, we're going to continue to add resources to this podcast. Certainly stay tuned over the next little while to keep informed because that's the very first thing that you can do on your kind of journey to developing a product um, from concept through to, to a real business. So one of the reasons that you're on the show, Kevin, is because I've obviously let the product startup podcast marinate for way too long. It was definitely a passion project. And for me, it was something that I truly believe in is as you do that there's all these people out there that have these amazing ideas and um, they deserve to be heard. They deserve to go out there and, and launch them. And especially now, as you said, there's all this opportunity that we didn't have even five years ago, 10 years ago. But now, like you said, we've got all these options to launch our own products and we don't have to make, you know, we don't have to satisfy a million customers. Um, Phil, I'm glad you brought that up because actually that kind of ties in everything that we just talked about because mm-hmm. um, one of the big movements that's happening on the production side. So we talked about the business support side and yeah. all of that, but on the production side, as additive manufacturing becomes more and more prevalent, um, the ability, like you said, for short run, lower cost, Mm-hmm. Test manufacturing runs is increasing exponentially. So, you know, we, we've now formed some really interesting partnerships as a firm to start getting into short run manufacturing 50, 100, 500 units. And the interesting thing when you're doing that, which used to be prohibitively expensive because of tooling and going overseas and all of this, yep. um, the interesting thing is not only do you get to test the market, but now you get real user feedback, not just on the, on the good parts of your product, but the bad parts too. And we can quickly change, modify, adjust those to go into your next production run and so on without incurring those major capital costs. So if we look at the future of development, the reason I said in the very beginning of this podcast that we're at the tip of the iceberg, it's because there's a huge amount of support. The world loves startup stories and entrepreneurs behind those stories. And then you know, on the other side as well, we're at an incredible time in technology where it's enabling startups to... Um, to get to market and get to market quickly. So yep. you mentioned too, like, you know, earlier on when you just kind of jump into it um, and, and, you know, don't kind of work through the problem, uh, that could be very costly. But now even that in itself, you're almost able to have your cake and eat it too. You're slowly starting to be able to jump into it and then also make those adjustments in real time to really hit the nail on the head or improve or refine or whatever else, right? So, so even that is um, kind of really enhancing the startup ecosystem around physical products like, like almost never before. Right? So I think it's my turn to come up with uh, one, one hurdle or what's the common issue or myth that we hit with the small businesses and startups. One that comes up a lot is the expectation to to go through the product development process in, from A to B in a straight line. That's key. And I think that comes back as well to keeping it simple because you'll smooth out those edges. But understanding that 
a simple product isn't going to go from design through to production immediately and all of a sudden just be out and, and selling units and that's mm-hmm. it. You know, you, you uh, grab that vacation home uh, and, and, you know, just watch the royalty checks comes in. That, that, that's not how it works. There is a version of that, but it, it's, it's iterative. And that's where, you know, if you look at any of the kind of successful products that are out there, the first product that gets out there, that's what starts to generate that investment interest and the money coming in. Um, But more than likely, that also is going to be bringing a substantial amount of user feedback. And as much as, you know, you can um, look at everything yourself and try and paint the perfect picture of exactly how every person is going to use it and do all of this work kind of in design and engineering to perfect every element that you personally think is going to make this product a hit, your user is going to be your best source of feedback. And that's actually not a failure point. That's an opportunity. Let's say you do you know, 50 units and you, you throw it out to users and hopefully you're doing a good job to where your users are relatively, they're not homogenous, right? And so you're able to get some, some different feedback from different personalities, different demographics. Um, and like you said, it might create an opportunity there to say, oh, wait, we need a specialty product for, uh, children or for men instead of women or, uh, for some other, uh, you know, customer that's not being represented here. And instead of trying to tweak the product to work for children and men and women, maybe you end up with three different products. Yeah. And I would take it, you know, even one one step kind of on the on the flip side to look at it and uh, and you also brought this up right you're not trying to sell this thing to every everyone you're not trying to make something for everyone if you just get a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the percentage of the of the world's population using your thing or even of your kind of like gross possible consumer demographic you've got a very successful product on your hands don't worry if you're not hitting a certain um you know a certain segment of 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 the of your potential users that you think oh you know what maybe maybe if i had that extra led on it or whatever this would help in that situation or this situation right that that's trying to perfect the model to such a degree that you're losing focus on that initial thing that you created right and and remember that launch it's just to get the ball rolling and get the feedback coming in so focus on a good quality thing that's going to hit some people or a few people. You know, it's interesting. Everything that we talk about kind of all comes full circle here. And that's why it's, it's really important when you're looking at your project. Step one, do your research. Step two, strip it down to its MVP. Step three, when you're designing it, don't feature creep. Keep it to your core, core mm-hmm. idea. Um, and, then, and then your final step, once you are launching or in the process of development, iterate as a business owner or as a product developer. Um, or even just any project you're working on, it, it's hard to not feature creep. Mm-hmm. You see exciting things and you want to add it. But, you know, when I went through Entrepreneurs Organization, as we were kind of growing this business and this model, you, know, you keep hearing this thing over and over again. The more niche your product or service is, the more customers you will get, the more successful you will become. It's the exact opposite of, of you know, traditional thinking, right? The, and and it, it, that trickles down in, in business logic, but it also trickles down very much into design logic. The simpler, cleaner, more targeted that product is, the more customers that you will get because you are striking a very specific chord with somebody that's more likely to whip out their wallet than trying to strike a chord with three people and not really hitting any one of them with any kind of strength. And on the flip side, so, so that's your, your marketing side, but not on your development side, the simpler the product, the cheaper, the faster to market, the less defect rates, 
the easier it is to get supply chain management set up. All of that kind of combined, right? So, so you really have to look at it as that that double-edged winning ticket that goes against kind of natural intuition, but will make you more successful if you follow that in a very strong way. Keep it simple, keep it clean, start with your core kind of invention uh, idea first, and then think about scaling those features out from there. Yeah, I think the reason that it's probably counterintuitive is, first of all, you hear all the time online about scale, right? If your business isn't scalable, you're done for, close shop now. The other... uh, I think piece of that too is, which by, by the way, I, part of me agrees with, but only in a sense that, um, you know, like you said, there's, there's billions of people in the world. And if you find a niche that's underserved, which historically niches have been underserved because people have had to put out product that is going to be bought by the millions of units or, you know, at least definitely six figures in terms of units because these are huge production runs. And so historically, niches are underserved. Um, I will say the asterisk there is that you you have to be the best product for that niche in order, you want people to be almost evangelical about your product um, in order for, for you to, to ride that wave to success in the niche, which means that you need to really listen to that person and not you know other people, I guess, that are outside that niche, right? So, that's right. Um, well, and that's where, you know, great design, obviously, I'm going to be biased yeah. there, but that's where, obviously, that's, that's a big ticket, right? So you want to you own that feature. But you have to think of it, there's a, there's a very big difference between des- developing a product as a startup and developing a product as a Fortune 500 company. I've worked with yep. both. Um, and and you've, you've obviously worked uh, uh, with, with many of these uh, kind of Fortune 500 companies mm-hmm. as well. For them, if a product doesn't make, say, you know, $100 million in sales, it's a failure. For a startup, I don't really care whether you make 500,000, 5 million, or 50 million. It's a success in all three of those categories. And I think everybody who's got a first product idea would be over the moon if they sold a few hundred thousand dollars in, in, in parts, which is incredibly small in, in kind of the corporate world. I have never in, in my life doing this, I've never seen somebody do hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales and be disappointed in themselves. I have regularly seen people try and build multi-hundred million dollar product ideas and never even get to the start line. So to summarize the points that we made here, so number one, make sure you're doing, you're designing the right product, make sure you're building the right thing. And the only way that you're going to do that is talk to people. Second is have that hustle. So don't, don't take your fiddle off the gas because it is a journey. It is difficult. It is a process. Understand that there will be setbacks, but there are people out there to help you and tons of resources out there now more than before. Right. And then I guess three would be that it's a process. It's iterative. Don't feel bad. If you feel like it's a setback, it's really just data and use that data. Cause you're, you, you want people to give you that feedback now when you haven't invested a ton of money rather than when you hit that green button on the manufacturing line and you're pouring out units. And then you realize that, wait a minute, there's a key issue here and it could absolutely tank the product. It's a great summary. I mean, starting there, there's, there's just a tremendous amount of power to it. And, um, you know, if you, if you look at where we're kind of the topics that we're looking at and the type of material that we're looking and planning ahead for, for the podcast series coming up, we're going to break those things down and we're going to look at specific examples, specific people who have gone through those and some of the actual kind of tools and tricks within those categories 
uh, how they've been able to kind of achieve success. Well, Kevin, I think the podcast is going to be in great hands. And I look forward to hearing the episodes and, and listening to, to other people in the industry kind of talk about um, you know, how they were able to launch their ideas and um, especially some of the new technology that's coming out that I think uh, listeners are going to find really exciting. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Good luck in the future. And I look forward to listening. So thanks. And we'll definitely have you back on. It's uh, you know, been, been, a, been a pleasure working with you, to kind of getting this thing revived and, and alive and um, you know, back, to, back to you guys, the listeners, so that uh, you know, we can um, get you more good information about developing products, get those products in, into the world. So, so thanks, thanks again. I appreciate that, Philip. Uh, you, you've really uh, done an incredible thing here with the podcast. And I'm, uh, I'm thrilled to, uh, to keep the legacy alive here and, and keep it going in, in your honor. Thanks, Kevin. Take it easy. Cheers. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast, the show that teaches you what it really takes to bring your product to market and turn it into a big success. This podcast series is brought to you by Maco Design and Invent, the first firm in North America to provide global caliber end-to-end physical consumer product development to startups, inventors, and small product businesses. If you're looking for product development help on your invention, head over to macodesign.com. That's M-A-K-O design.com for a free consultation from one of Maco Design's four design studios from coast to coast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.